Hi everyone, uh, it's good to be back. Um, I wanted to share with you uh, one of the three jewels, and this may be out of order, but uh, in the program that I'm creating, but this concept, of course, has come up over and over, and as we grow our NQG network, uh, this concept has to be very uh, much understood, uh, both uh, in a practical way as well as in a metaphysical, spiritual way. Uh, because without this concept, and that concept being Sangha, uh, one of the three jewels, Samga being Sanskrit, Sangha being Pali, uh, without understanding this correctly, it's very easy to see, and uh, we see this in many different other traditions of how this definition has been used, and that I believe in many ways causing disruption and difficulty. Now, Sangha being one of the three jewels, the first being Buddha, Dharma, second, and third, Sangha. Sangha is the most physical experience that we see because a lot of times Sangha is the uh, glue that binds all of the practitioners together. It's the temple we go to, it's the group that we meet with, etc. But actually there's a much deeper meaning, and the modern meaning that we have for Sangha or Sangha, uh, has been somewhat uh, twisted. And I believe that this is what has caused a lot of the disharmony that we see uh, amongst the sagas and the confusion. So I'd like to uh, give this a lecture in order to help clear this up. Now, Sangha uh, can ultimately mean simply assembly or, or company, uh, getting together. Now, the Sangha is also used, uh, because it's a Sanskrit word, Sangha, uh, is also used in yoga as well as, as we know, in Buddhism. And this usually is showing more concretely as a community devoted to some specific spiritual practice, some dharma. And for us, of course, our spiritual practice is the Buddha dharma. And that means that we are following the teaching or the example of the Buddha, uh, the eternal Buddha of the Lotus Sutra, our founder, Shakyamuni Buddha, and that this community, simply the purpose for it getting together is to practice and explore and study uh, their founder's dharma or teaching. And what is the essence, the spiritual? Now I said that's the physical, uh, the community, the group, the people, the bodies. But what is the essence? The essence of sangha is in, a, in our actions. And that comes into the action of awareness understanding, acceptance, harmony, and compassion. Sangha is the interesting jewel because uh, this means interacting with other practitioners and also shows the interdependence of our practice and that we cannot simply be uh, practitioners on our own. Uh, that ultimately within this little microcosm of this group or community, uh, we extend our practice to all sentient beings throughout the world. And in order to really maintain the Sangha, we need to, within ourselves, discipline ourselves. Hence, we have the precepts to practice awareness, understanding, acceptance, harmony. Harmony being our behavior, social behavior with others, and most importantly, compassion. Uh, as we know, in many situations within the Sanghas, these are the most challenging aspects, uh, rather than just meeting, simply uh, however, there's an interesting uh, 
point that I was bringing up. I was I was reading a lecture called the so-called lay sangha in America by Ronald Epstein, um, and this was really interesting because I I think this has happened, uh, and this is coming back to and the reason why I added this is this is what we've been researching and what did Buddhism look prior to the modern era? Now the modern era has formulated and amongst all of the Japanese traditions more specifically the idea of the lay sangha. Now this concept of the lay sangha meaning that you do not need a monastic or a spiritual teacher in order to have a sangha. That usually as we see in many Zen Buddhist groups etc. it's a collection of lay practitioners who get together to practice. And therefore, they organize and uh, sometimes build temples, etc. But this is interesting because uh, Ronald Epstein Stein's uh, Stein, uh, point is really relevant. And his question was, why do they ignore this tradition? Because, uh, as we had stated, Meiji period, the modern period in Japan, changed everything that we see. And that even the creation that we have in Nichiren Shu Buddhism, as we see, is heavily influenced by this change. And he specifically states that in 1868, the government made a mandate that monks uh, not live in monasteries and that they return to the lay life. Uh, This lay life was, of course, it wasn't a spiritual move, so this was not an action by the government uh, to spiritually change something. It It was a political move because Buddhism was seen as a foreign influence and when the nationalism in, in Japan was rising, they wished to implement state Shintoism, which is a native uh, practice of Japan, and therefore remove the political uh, influence from Buddhism and also uh, distinguish it as a external or foreign uh, teaching. And it's interesting because the idea is that by what is the meaning. So originally the idea of Sangha means that it was simply the monks, uh, the ordained monks were considered Sangha. And in many of the Theravadan traditions, this is very much the case. But then as we see in Mahayana Buddhism, that also came to include monks, nuns, laymen, laywomen, as we see as expounded in the Lotus Sutra. However, the most important thing that uh, the idea of Sangha continued to uh, teach up until that point of 1868 when that was changed in Japan was that uh, the spiritual practitioners uh, of Buddhism, especially those who have ordained. Now, being ordained, what does that mean? That means one has devoted their life uh, to the practice of Buddhism. So in the idea of a lay person, a lay person uh, can choose to practice or not. But a monk has taken vows. A monk has understood and studied precepts and continues to cultivate that in order to help support others. So this is a very integral part because if you look at the modern sanghas as he's saying lay sanghas, a lot of times these people were, uh, a lot of times they were not, they did not receive uh, these same standards as the clergy. Now, as we can see, we see many bad examples in the modern times, and this is probably why there was a late uh, move to the lay sangha from a uh, monastic or a ordained sangha because of all the the behaviors that we see. Now, these 
bad behaviors from monastics and that are not uh, new. Uh, they've always been around, but for us as first-generation or second-generation Buddhists, that can be quite disturbing because a lot of the Western traditions that we're coming from, uh, that kind of hypocrisy we see there and wish, we don't wish to see that in Buddhism. So it's very important to keep an idea that we, it is important to have a teacher, to appreciate that teacher. And, and that simply when we take it upon ourselves, and if you get a chance to read that article, it's very interesting that there's a kind of arrogance, um, especially since the uh, ordained are seen as the uh, protectors, not possessors, but protectors and practitioners and educators of the tradition. So that's a new concept in the Americas and the Western world because a lot of times we feel as if we can just take it for our own. But if we leave this part out, then is it truly Sangha? That's a question for you. And then also taking refuge and the idea of refuge so we're not bowing down to the Buddha. Refuge means we're taking shelter. It is not something you state, oh, I take refuge in the Buddha, just as we do in the service. It's not a statement. It is in your practice. That is why Nichiren Shonen's concept of the Sangha was without learning and practicing, there is no Buddhism. And I would go on to further state, without learning and practicing, there is no Sangha. So Sangha is the place of your practice. So therefore, we support the Sangha. We support the uh, teachers of the Sangha. That is why we have Ofuse. And so therefore, I'm encouraging people to understand this concept of Ofuse, which is giving. So this is not for my benefit, because actually Ofuse means you to give something of yourself, to show appreciation. Because in this life, we show appreciation for many things that are lesser than our practice of Buddhism. So therefore, we give appreciation to things that we know won't bring us satisfaction or health or happiness or insight. But we invest in those things. So actually, Buddhism and the concept of Ofuse is not for monetary benefit. It is for the benefit of the practitioner, the Sangha member, the Sangha, to be able to go beyond themselves, to practice this awareness, understanding, acceptance, harmony, and compassion. So therefore, I, tell, I, I encourage you to look deeper into this concept of Sangha and how you participate in it, and also to understand its structure more deeply. And what that means is that what you put into it, that means your practice is what you get out of it. So therefore, a, a temple, a Sangha, is not somewhere where you go to take. Because if you simply go there to take, uh, you will end up with emptiness, with nothing. Uh, and you will be sorely disappointed. But when you go to a Sangha, if you give the idea of Ofuse, that means giving time, giving your practice, giving your effort, following the Eightfold Path, that is where you will be able to bal gain balance, harmony, and health. So I thank all of you uh, for sharing this moment with me today, and uh, I look forward to our next discussion. Namo Mihorengekyo.